Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. This is usually one of my, you know, most favorite episodes of the year. And I'm still going to have fun and have enjoyed getting ready for it and doing it. But it's not as fun, Justin, because usually we do offensive undrafted free agents and defensive undrafted free agents. Like last year, they had 16 undrafted free agents. Like it, you, almost every year, you have to split them into two or the episode will be too long. And this year, we have three in total. Bummer. It really is. Like, you know, I guess this kind of happens when you, uh, you've you been adding new pieces to a team with the same regime for, you know, three years, where it's like you kind of got the guys you want in there through three years. Um, and I also thought this would happen because of COVID last year, where those guys didn't really get a shot. You know, like they didn't get, you know, they didn't have a, there was a very, training camp was very short. They didn't get a preseason to shine in front of, you know, fans. I actually kind of thought that would happen. So out of the 16 last year, five are still in the roster with Austin Mack, Kyle Murphy, Nico Lelos, Rice and John, they actually brought back, even though they did, he wasn't on the team for the majority of last year. And then Derek Dillon uh, is on the team. Yeah, they also signed a, a bunch of guys to those futures deals earlier in the offseason. I guess some of those guys are actually worth maybe going back and maybe taking a look at um, because there was just so many of them and because there was not a lot of undrafted free agent moves and there was a lot of those moves. And I you know, I think Dave Gettleman and, and they might have referenced this. You know, there just wasn't a ton of information available on these guys, whether it whether it's because they opted out of the 2020 season, I think the Giants mostly took guys that, you know, that played the 2020 season or didn't opt out because Ellerson Smith is the one exception, but he didn't opt out. But it's just because his conference school that he played for, they just didn't play football. So they wanted guys that largely played the 2020 season and all these undrafted free agents, they played their 2020 season. Um, one of our guys even transferred schools. He was a graduate transfer um, and he uh, went from UCLA to Baylor. So Bobby Skinner. It's been nice the last couple days, I will say. I actually got home from work, my day job, and I laid on the couch, which I have not done that in weeks. I just laid on the couch, I caught up on some TV shows, and I relaxed and I took a breath, and I was happy. All gas, no brakes, baby! No, I... I, 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 I get that, where it's like, okay, I just need to do the you know one breakdown of a player a day. Um, so it has been a little nicer, uh, but you know we don't have a lot of undrafted free agents. What we do have, Justin, is a lot of patreons. We have a mm. lot of new patreons. We didn't announce them on the on the last two episodes. Our bad. We just had a lot to get to and forgot about it. Their names. We got Martin Gendron. Martin Gendron. He's got a bear as his picture catching a fish in the falls. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, love that. Gigantor ten twenty four. Now, I get that, you know, you may want to stay anonymous, but it really does suck when you stay anonymous on Patreon, because then I have to write an envelope to Talking Giants Patreon, um, you know. You can't just write Gigantor1024? <laughs> no, I should. No? I should. We got Doesn't work in the mail like that? We got Matty Coco. He loves the Coco. Mm-hmm. Jeff Baseman. Slip in a bus. Um... I love Hank Mark Dukas. Steven you Lowe. Say the, you, say these, you say these references, and... 85% of the time, I don't get them. Yeah, well, kids these damn days. Am I right, listeners? I am. I am I am a uncultured swine. Steven, <laughs> Steven Lowe, a uh, good friend of Curtis Lowe. Um, do you know Curtis sure. Lowe? Uh, I know Rob Lowe. Familiar with I'm him. I'm going to shoot you in the mouth. Zach Thompson. <laughs> um, let's see. Any Thompsons? There was a... Darian. Good friend. Darian. Darian Thompson. Hey, that was a guy who was like, hey, we'd rather just get our undrafted free agents because they're undrafted because we brought them in. Then, you know, someone who might be able to contribute more than Curtis Riley, Alex, Mark Antonio. Mark Antonio can be its own name um, and its own. You know what? Speaking of Antonio, I watched Scarface talk about we've slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I haven't like watched any TV or movies the last, you know, month speaking and a half. Speaking of Coco. I, yeah, speaking of, I watched Scarface for the first time. Very good movie. Who's the bad guy? Paul uh, Gulio. Paul Gulio. Mm. I don't have any jokes for that one. Brendan Scott. Just bland name. Ryan yeah, Donnelly. That's, that's prob- Ryan Donnelly. He was in our YouTube live stream. That is, he, I'm almost guaranteed that this is a, a Ryan Connolly 
um, burner account, which kind of sure. funny that the Vikings take Ryan Connolly and then they took Chad Surratt. It's like, yeah, we got the same taste in linebackers. Then they got Wyatt Davis, so it evened out. Andrew Christopher. Hi, Andrew. Alex Casanova. He's a Cowboy Casanova. Devin Weir. It's W-E-I-R. Just change your last name to Weir, dude. Like, don't be weird about it. Change. And then we'll finish it off with Carlos Allende. Allende. Even though... So the last two episodes where we've done Patreons have been finished with Carlos. It's Carlos Allende and Carlos and Philly. Really? All right, Justin. We ha- we just spent like 20 minutes on Patreons. There's a lot minutes. of them. How did they get here? So um, I would love to continue this trend of Carlos's. That would be great. Um, so... All these Carloses, they went to patreon.com slash talking giants. And for $2 a month, um, you get some fun perks. And you support us too, but the fun perks include you get to watch us. You get to watch Bobby Skinner's face and my face as we talk about the Giants like live as it's happening instead of waiting on YouTube or waiting on the podcast app. Bobby also will send you a magnet. He will contact you. He will say, what is your address? I will send you something. He will send you a magnet. Um, And then also twice a month. Um, we have a free shirt raffle, so you have a chance to win that too. And Patreon.com slash talking. Now that the off se- we got the off season, you know, sometimes I I prank call Lance Meadow on his you know Sirius XM radio show, and yes. I'll only play that for the Patreons after the show. So that's yep. You know, now now that the off season is 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 really here because you know the first four months really aren't an off season for the NFL. That's when we start having a little more fun. I have to put a magnet on a cop car soon, so we'll see if that happens. All right, Justin. We're going to talk about the undrafted free agents, but a topic I want to talk about since there's only three, we didn't want to make this episode only 25 minutes long, is O'Shane Zimenez. O'Shane Zimenez, his name has been hot in the streets because the Giants' edge room is filled to the brim right now. I mean, let's go through it. Aziz Ojulari, he's a lock for the roster. Ellerson Smith, even if he's not the best player, even if he's like the fifth or sixth best edge, He's making the roster. He had a fourth round pick investment. I would be blown away if they, you know, if, if they moved on. I think they've always viewed him as a project regardless. So that's two guarantees. Lorenzo Carter is probably a guarantee, right? Yes. So I would say those are the three guarantees to make this roster. After that, you have Ryan Anderson. You got O'Shane Zimenez. You got Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown. So that's seven players at that outside linebacker spot where you can make a case for every single one of them. Even Cam Brown, who's like, you know, I don't think we have any expectations for him playing defense. He played the second most special team snaps on the team last yeah. year. And we know that this, that is important to this coaching staff. Carter Coughlin, like they use him at the end of the season when guys were hurt and, and they're, you know, they flashed a little bit of potential. Uh, Ryan Anderson was just brought in as a free agent, you know, Alabama connection. I, I didn't realize he had eight and a half sacks his last year at Alabama. Um, and, and then the other, th- you know, Lorenzo, Aziz, and Ellerson we view as locks. So, O'Shane Zimenez has kind of been the odd man out as far as the fan base, you know. As, you know, we're talking about our new players, our new teams, what happens. O'Shane has been the odd man out. And I would say, slow your roll a little bit. Have a little hope for O'Shane Zimenez, you know. O'Shane Zimenez was in the very same shoes that Ellerson Smith was in two years ago, where he was this new prospect. And honestly... The, the shoulder injury is what screwed O'Shane. Now, he wasn't playing great before that, but he wasn't playing bad. But let's let's go through. He's 24 years old right now. His rookie season, he only played 45% of the snaps. He had four and a half sacks. That was second on the team. Now, that's not a lot, but still. It was second on the team uh, to, to Marcus Golden. was tied with Lorenzo Carter. Had five tackles for a loss. That was fourth on the team. One behind Lorenzo Carter, who played a lot of reps that season. Um... And let's talk about why they drafted him in the third round. And and I do view him, like, coming out of college as a, as a better prospect than Ellerson Smith. 32 and a half sacks. 51 tackles for a loss at Old Dominion. And I get it was Old Dominion, but they played Division One talent, you know. And, and let's go through his senior year. He had 11 and a half sacks, 18 tackles for a loss. Versus Virginia Tech, two sacks, two and a half tackles for a loss. FIU, two sacks, three tackles for a loss. FAU, one sack, two tackles for a loss. So... Again, those aren't blue, you know, blue chip programs, but they they are good. Like you know, they're they're not like playing in the FCS. You know, it's not like Ellerson Smith playing against the competition that he plays. Like it's what Ellerson Smith plays against is a severe drop below what what O'Shane Zimenez played. Um, you know, and he wasn't a guy in college who beat up on v, you know Virginia Military Institute 
and that was the end of his stats. You know, where some guys they have you know one good you know two good games back against crappy teams, and then you know the rest are are subpar. Um, so, but in 2020, he got hurt. He missed 12 of the 16 games, 12 and a half, because he got hurt in in that Rams game. Um, he, now he wasn't producing like we wanted. He had you know three QB hits and three and a half games. He didn't look great out there. Um, but the season-ending shoulder injury is what hurt him. So, I, long story short, is I wouldn't be ready to push Ellis or O'Shane Zimenez out of the door quite yet. Like I, I would rather keep O'Shane over Carter Coughlin, um, you know, or or Ryan Anderson, who you know I think it's clear I'm not the biggest fan of Ryan Anderson. Ryan, like O'Shane Zimenez is a good talent. Like I, I wouldn't give up on him quite yet. And you know, Lorenzo Carter had those huge expectations on him year two. And he didn't quite live up to them. And year three, before the injury, we saw him start to blossom a little bit and kind of step into that role. Year three is important for these guys, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so quick to just move on from O'Shane. All right, well, let's go through it. Everybody, everybody is in love with uh, Carter Coughlin. Um, excuse me, everyone's in love with Lorenzo Carter in terms of how he started off his 2020 season. So in 2020, um, Lorenzo Carter saw 21% of the total defensive snaps. That's total from the season. Obviously, he missed most of the season with an injury, but when he was out there, he was getting like 90, he sometimes was getting like 90 to 60% of the snaps. But most of the time, he was getting like 90, 80, 70% of the snaps. Like they really bumped up his usage and Bobby you know I want to ask you a quick question before I continue with my point do you feel that there is such a thing and I I know this is a thing in baseball like repetition getting out there and the more swings you take the more uh the more the the better you can feel is there is there is such a point to when you have more reps and when you're given more reps, especially as a pass rusher, you got a better feel for the game. you got a better feel for your opponent. you got a better feel for your left tackle, right tackle, whoever you're going up against. Is there such a thing to that? Because then when you take somebody in and out of a game, could that mess with their rhythm? Definitely. And expect, especially at a, at the edge where, you know what, you can have good numbers, but you really are judged by sacks. And it's like, you never really get that chance to get in rhythm. And, and to your point, Lorenzo Carter, in the four games, 98%, 98%, 65%, 81% in the four games that he was fully healthy for. Yeah, so they were using Lorenzo Carter, and I think that's partially why everyone was so kind of happy with his production. Well, when you're out when you're out on the field for 90% of the snaps, you're going to get the production. That's kind of why I want Letter Williams to his snaps to increase ne- uh, this upcoming year, because even if he's not as good as he was in 2020, he still has a chance if he increases his snaps for his total production in terms of his stat sheet to look just as good as the previous year. So Bobby, you know, uh, Lorenzo Carter saw 21% of the, of the season's total defensive snaps. He had seven pressures, um, and how many QB hits did he have? He had seven, seven pressures and four QB hits. O'Shane Zimenez saw 10% of the defensive snaps. Half, exact, you know, pretty much exactly half. He had three QB hits and five pressures. So he wasn't even that far off in terms of... Now, that's such a low sample size, and it's like literally like two or three games. But O'Shane Zimenez, compared to Lorenzo Carter, he was getting... 30, 40, 50% of the snaps. Uh, there was some, I, I'm pretty sure I have it right I have it right in front of me. I have it right in front of me. O'Shane Zimenez, in terms of his snap share, 41%, 29%, 58%, 33%. And in the only game that he did not register a quarterback hit was against Chicago, where he got 29% of the defensive snaps. So, you know, O'Shane was one of those guys that's like, dude, you're not getting in here. They're, you're not getting the opportunity to really get your you know get your feet wet and get your reps in but he still kind of produced pretty well considering the circumstances of three quarterback hits and five QB pressures who's to say that when Carter doesn't go down Kyler Fackrell eventually eventually goes down that O'Shane Zimenez starts to get like 80% of the snaps and who's to say that he doesn't put put together a couple good games of a couple sacks good QB hits good pressures and O'Shane does need to get better too like he didn't look great you know like he wasn't he wasn't got off but he didn't look great you know and he was I think he was the you know, every year there's a second year player where it's like there's expectations to make. It's usually like a third round player is going to make this huge jump. Um, you know, Lorenzo Carter was once that guy. And then I think Osain Zimenez became that guy where it's like he needs to be the top pass rusher on the team. But I just want to say like, Ellison Smith is a, is a project. You know, I did the film breakdown on him and, and his film is kind of, it is kind of underwhelming, you know, especially against 
I, Iowa State, who's D1, and then North Dakota State, where he was playing against Dylan Radins. Um, like if you ask me tomorrow, who do I want rushing the ball, rushing the passer on third and six? I'm picking O'Shane Zimnis. Now, Ellison Smith, Ellison Smith is a project, is basically what I'm saying. And you know what? Like O'Shane could miss, the, like not make the team. You know, he was he wasn't drafted when Joe Judge was here, so he could be like the surprise cut. Um, but I just would say, like going into camp, I think he should have just as much a shot as anybody to play this. Like, like I think he, I think O'Shane should outplay Ryan Anderson, and Ryan Anderson, even though he was brought in as a free agent, should be cut. Like, I, that that would be my goal. And if I was on the coaching staff, my hope would be like, hey, O'Shane Zimenez, outperform Ryan Anderson. We'll cut him. We'll cut him. We'll make you a part of this yeah. team. We're not cutting Cam Brown because he's played special teams. Carter Coffin, we just drafted him. But outplay, outplay that guy and fill your role because he is he isn't like the perfect scheme fit either for the Giants where he is mostly just a pass rusher. Yeah, I would hope they wouldn't cut Cam Brown to keep Ryan Anderson for special teams purposes because you know you have Cam Brown here for four years cheap. Um, you know you have three years left of that rookie contract. So if they want to keep somebody for special teams, just go with the guy that's cheaper that you that's have here for more long term. Yeah, so, all right, good. Um, well, no, I just wanted to say in, in terms of, like, drafting and value, you know, you have a guy here for four years, take advantage of it. Yeah, uh, Bobby, it, it, they they also could be looking at themselves saying, well, who would we rather give 30% of the snaps to as a situational pass rusher? Would we rather just let our let our fourth-round fourth rookie in there, like, go out there and develop, and maybe he'll make a, a flashy play every once in a while? Or do we want to let this third-year guy in who suffered a season-long injury last year, and we didn't clearly the Giants didn't believe in him to get a substantial amount of reps in 2020. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I mean, he was here. playing though. It wasn't like he was Marcus Golden where he was vanished to the bench. You know, it was Lorenzo Carter was the top guy, and then him and Kyler Fackrell were kind of splitting reps. And Marcus Golden was that clear-cut fourth guy. Yeah, I mean, two, two game, two game. it's crazy because it's like one game on where he had over 20 snaps, um, and then the San Francisco game he had over he had, he had over 40 snaps, but that's just because San Francisco ran so many freaking offensive plays that I think that's partially why he saw the field so much, but two games of 19 defensive snaps. I mean, that's tough. That's well, tough. what was one the fourth game? Yes. Well, he got injured and then in that He got game, hurt. So. He got hurt. So, so I, I just, you know, O'Shane Zimenez was once the, you know, the sparkle in our eyes, that pass rush uh, pro, uh, prospect. You know, I remember watching his college tape, and it was like, this guy is a lot of fun to watch, and he's not just picking, like, this isn't just him picking on, on you know, on bad offensive tackles. Like, this guy, this guy knows what he's doing, and he has potential. Um, and he was drafted higher than, you know, Ellerson Smith, and I, and I think rightfully yep. so. Yeah. Um, so I, I just wanted to talk about that because we didn't really have much to talk about, and, and it's been it's been on my mind Uh of, of with Ellerson Smith because Ellerson Smith is a big project and he is new. So I get that. It's like, he's new. It's a lot more fun of what he can turn into. And, and I hope shiny, he, I hope he does turn toy. into that. Um, but right now I, I don't have, I don't have, have expectations for Ellerson to play year one. Like I really don't. Yeah. And I, I think clearly at least in the, at least in the Pat Shermer era, right. You know, Dave Gettleman has drafted, you know, Carter and, Zimenez, but the way that the Giants coaching staff, at least in the past, has gone is we are we are going to develop these guys. And Dave Gettleman has always talked about um, this. Even applies to Aziz, by the way, who's only twenty years old. Dave Gettleman always talks about the age of these guys. You know the fact that you know they're coming out of school. They're not twenty two, twenty three. They're twenty twenty one. So you have to give them that extra year or two of time to develop. And whether you agree or whether you agree with that or not, in terms of evaluating players, is what the general manager thinks. All right, Justin. So we're about to get into our undrafted free agents. Officially close the door on the 2021 draft. But, like, you know, the the undrafted free agents aren't really keeping on coming. The hits literally keep on coming from one boxing event to the next. They grow in excitement and anticipation. And this weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping to the ring Saturday night. There is no better place to get in on all the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $50. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users the opportunity to get 55 to 1 odds 
on either main event, uh, main event fighter to win this weekend's fight. That's bet $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash $55. Pretty simple, people. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and meaning you can you can deposit and withdraw your funds at convenience. Speaking of safe, have you seen been paying attention to this like Tom Wilson Rangers stuff? No, I'm very confused as to exactly what's happening. There, it, it's just Tom Wilson's like the most dirty, like the dirtiest player in hockey. He bashed one of the Rangers' heads into the ice. And now they they're playing like as we record, and I saw you know before we recorded they started fighting, and they just fired everybody. Well, James yeah. Dolan put out a, a statement like saying that the you know the head of safety for the NHL should be fired, and then the people who run the Rangers, I guess, were like, hey, you know, we don't want to you know we don't want to throw too many stones, you know, we we get that we have to kind of have a working relationship, and because of that, James Dolan fired them, and then they start <laughs> as soon as they started the 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 hockey match. They had three fights at the middle, and then Tom Wilson came in. They, they had like five people in the penalty box all at once. It reminded me of when the Devils and Rangers, they all fought. As, I mean, as soon as the tip-off. The Devils and Rangers is an underrated rivalry. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHNBOY when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana at 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready. Because once it's over, it's over. Well, we're starting our 2022 draft draft process and because uh, we're so excited to have the first overall pick. I really am. You know who I have via, my early via, eye on? Evan Neal, tackle out of Alabama. I'm so excited to watch him this year. Via the Chicago Bears, not via the New York Football Giants. Of course. Of course. So maybe we'll be taking Evan, Evan Neal. So, um... Last year's undrafted free agent crop, we had three, you know, you know, the three wide receivers of Mac, Mac, Victor, and Dylan. Everyone had their favorite of those guys. We had Javon Leak, someone who had my mock draft running back. Um Kyle Markway was like a fun tight end. Dominique Ross, we loved him out of UNC. We just love our UNC guys. Oh yes. I love Dominique Ross. Um oh, who is how is he doing? I'm gonna look him up. I, I who's the cornerback? We even got like quoted in an article about him being like the guys that you know talking giants. They say he's the best undrafted free agent in this class. No, it was Dominique Ross. That's what I said. That's what. Oh, I know. You said who's the cornerback? No, but who's the cornerback that I really? F- oh, Christian Angulo, who he ended up going with the cuts. Went the Colts once the Giants waived him. So a lot, a lot of fun, and even Sandro Blatzkummer kind of counted as one, even though he wasn't really one. Uh, have you found out what Dominic where Dominique Ross is so we could start? Um, I, I don't think he no. made a team. No, he did not. Done. It's Finito. unfortunate. All right. We're going to start it off on the defensive side of the ball. We're going Raymond. She calls me Raymond Johnson. Raymond Johnson, defensive end out of Georgia Southern. At his pro day, he was six foot two, 260 pounds. In 12 games in 2020, he had 35 tackles. Five sacks, 13 and a half tackles for a loss. Beautiful. Had um, pretty good production the years before that, but not that not that production that he had his, his senior year. Justin, the first thing you notice when you watch this guy are his hands. They are quick yep. and they are violent. Like I, I'm gonna I'm I, I have a bunch of timestamps. I'm gonna put together, you know, a clip of a uh, look at Raymond Johnson's hands, how violent they are. His hands, the usage is beautiful. He's quick on the swipes, and they are powerful. He comes with a plan for ev- every single rep. Raymond Johnson has a plan of attack, um, and he has ma- multiple pass rush moves from the inside. Now, alignment-wise, what position is he? Because defensive end is 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 does you know just saying that doesn't really have any nuance anymore. I view him that I think the Giants probably view Efedio Negbo, where he is that tweener. He's, I don't think he's. I don't think he's got the athleticism to be that stand-up on the edge type player like an O'Shane Zimenez, but I don't think he's big enough to play what B.J. Hill role, uh, plays. 
So I do think he's going to be like a, a sub package if he ends up making the team and playing like hand in the ground on the edge. And then sometimes in a three, four, you can put him at a five. You use him in different ways, but he is kind of like that tweener type player. Um, and, and so that's where I see him gets out of his stance quickly. I mean, he pounces out of his stance, dude. It's he's, he's the most fun uh, of these guys to watch. I mean, he's, yeah. I, I think he's, you know, more fun to watch than, you know, the six round picks of Rodarius and, and Brightwell. I have the same note that he is more <laughs> fun and exciting than those two guys. Yeah. Um, things that are the why he was an undrafted free agent. One, his pro day was bad. I think if he had a better pro day, he would have been drafted. And people were projecting to be drafted, but he had 19 bench press reps, a 469 oh. shuttle, a 33 inch vertical, and then a 473 of 40. The 40 wasn't bad, but everything else um, wasn't very good for his position. Um, bad things. In open spaces, he's not good. There was multiple times where he had a great pass rush move, and he's running straight to QB, and the QB juked him pretty effortlessly. So making those tackles in the open space, that's where you can see like some of his athleticism. Yep. Um, he can get high as the play goes on, where he initially comes out, pops quick. But if that doesn't – once his initial move doesn't work and a bigger offensive lineman get, get on him, um, he can kind of get stalemated out of the play. Um, but – uh, I th- I really like this guy. I I think if we would have drafted him in the sixth round, we would have been like good sixth round pick. I really do. Where you know Heggy and 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 uh, Burton, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that about those guys. You know Heggy, like late seventh, you make sense of it. Burton, you're like, why did we pick this guy? I hate to spoil what I'm going to say about him, but Raymond Johnson, I, he's kind of exciting. The only thing that sucks though is like, how does he make his way onto the team eventually? Yeah, because it, it's so crowded at those positions that he's at. Um, so I do view him as like, I view all of these guys as a stash on the practice squad. We'll see how things play out in a year. Yeah. Heggie's actually a guy that I'm like, Oh, I think he has like the best chance to make the roster because of the position that he plays. And Raymond Johnson, even though I think he's the best player, um, it's a shame that he's in a crowded interior defensive line room. And I do agree. A lot of people have been saying edge online. Um, I don't see it. I mean, cause also he didn't line up as an edge at, uh, at Georgia Southern. Now, Georgia Southern did once in a while use like stand up edge rushers, but they never had Raymond Johnson doing that. Yeah. Uh, they never had him doing that. So, and I actually did find it to be interesting. Um, I agree with all your positives. I'll get I'll get into some of them and how I worded them and I also agree with a lot of your negatives too. I did find that they were taking him off the field from time to time. Now, whether that's just because, you know, they they wanted a breather and they wanted a rotation, but also He's powerful that the initial point of attack, but he's not powerful throughout the rep. Like you would think, especially for playing at a certain level of competition that he played at, I would want him to be more powerful. Like, where's give me a bull rush? You know, give me a bull rush where you're just you know uh, going after you know rolling over a right tackle, left tackle, and then getting to the quarterback that way. Didn't see it that often. Um, So in terms of some of his more advanced stats, so he had 307 pass rush reps in 2020. Um, a total of 49 pressures, and if you're calculating that at home, that's a 15.9, 16% pressure rate, which uh, out of all the guys, out of all the edge rushers in this draft class, now you have to you know, know that all these guys are playing in different in different conferences and whatnot, but 49 pressures was one of the most pressures that that in pass rusher, edge rusher had in this, uh, had in this draft class. So um, that's good for Raymond Johnson. He has the production. The Giants really like to, I will say, um, he was graded very positively by PFF too. And I'm not going to say what his grade is because we don't really believe, we don't really like to talk about grades, but the Giants like guys that, that PFF grades well. Just, just saying. O'Shane was graded very well, came from that small school. Will Hernandez was graded very well, came from that small school. Ellerson Smith, I feel like, was graded well, came from a relatively small school, and add Raymond Johnson um, to that list too. Bobby, I think he gets skinny. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm just, hey, I'm just saying there's a correlation. Just saying there's a correlation. I think he gets skinny as a pass rusher, Bobby. Um, you know, he, I think he wins in a variety of ways. Um, knows how to use his hands in the rip-swim move. Gets extension. Um, gets hands off of him effectively as well. We talked about that with the Z's, how he just gets hands off of him very well. Um, fast off the ball, you talked about that. What's what's a point that I could talk? Four-year starter. I'm, th- I'm, trying to, I'm trying not to repeat what you said because I agree with what you said. Four-year starter. Giants love guys with that have a lot of experience. So he's a four-year starter, so he has that experience. Um, Bobby, let's talk about roster chances. What is his chances of making the roster? I think he's a guarantee for the practice squad, 
roster chances it would have there would have to be some serious injuries in camp because he he's a tweener and I think if I think that's what eventually holds him back and what kept him from being drafted is because he's not that true blue defensive tackle but he's also not like athletic enough to play on the edge so that's the issue is can he add that strength to play in that Effetti at an Odenegbo role Although the Giants may be playing some like four three like reps, like it's I, w- I wouldn't be the most surprised with some of their yeah some of their um you know players now with with you know a guy like Ofedi, um you know Ryan Anderson's played in that a little bit. Um, he he's not going to make the team initially. I would be blown away because we just we talked about it with Ocean Zimenez that how that spot is crowded, the defensive line spot is crowded. I mean Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, you know Danny Shelton, B.J. Hill. Austin Johnson and R.J. McIntosh would be the sixth guy. Um, which I'm going to have to say bye to R.J. McIntosh this year. I just know it. Um, so, I, it, not high, but it's it's undrafted free agents. Really, their path usually is you sit on a practice squad for a year. You might get called up in the end of the year. And year two is when it's like, can you do something in camp to stop us from cutting you and not and, – and, you know, you being a player we don't want on the practice squad. So that I mean that's the that's the that's the goal for all undrafted free agents, regardless, you know. I mean that's the way it was for Victor Cruz, you know. Nick, yep. you know, Nick Gates was injured, but it's you know that really is the path for all of these guys. You know, yep. there's going to be very few under you know. Now year one of Dave Gettleman, there was a lot because he just tore down the total, you know, the whole roster. So you had guys like Tay Davis, um, making the initial roster and playing. Where now it's like you know we, we said at the beginning it's like we we have. This is a Dave. This is a full Dave Gettleman roster right now. Yep. Where it's like he's not looking to just get rid of guys and giving you know undrafted free agent guys chances over others because they're not his guys. So, um, my final. I have two more final notes. I got a final note too. My final note in terms of his hand usage. I feel like he uses it just as well in the run game versus the pass game. Where you know a lot of the you know we we look at guys that have Agreed. pass rushing moves. Um, you agree with that? Thank you. So he uses his hands effectively in the run game, which you don't see a lot because typically defensive linemen, pass rushers, edge rushers, whatever, guys can have either a pass rushers mentality or be a little bit more conservative and have a uh, have a, a run defense mentality. He's balanced in that regard, but we just want to see a little bit more power. And I watched Army. I watched Army Georgia Southern because I figured that would be a fun game to watch, especially since I had questions about like his power and like Army is all about like power. Um Army had like three pass attempts against Georgia Southern in the first three quarters, and Johnson had a pressure slash QB hit on all three of them, which was fun. <laughs> That's that is pretty cool. I, there you go, Raymond Johnson. Here's something. You know who coached against him in their conference? Who played against him a couple of years? You know, thinking of where the the only basically the only non SEC uh, coach uh, on our roster besides Pat Flaherty is Rob Rob Sale, Sale. Rob Sale the Raging Cajuns they went up against him, um so Rob Sale might have a you know maybe he has a, a big part of it which by the way I went and looked at Jake Burton and Brett Heggie on Twitter Rob Sale follows both of them on Twitter now granted he may be following them through this process but hey you know what I, maybe he maybe he recruited them you know maybe this is the the Rob Sale bump and undrafted free agents like. Bump. Maybe maybe Rob Sale is like just in, tar- in charge of undrafted free agents. Like you're the only per- you decide. You're the you you've been in college the most most recently. You know the small school guys. You get to do it. So, Raymond Johnson, make a name for yourself, man. Yeah. We're not going to mention you much going forward until we do something in the preseason. Make a name for yourself. Get- that reaction video was pretty cool, by the way. The one that he put out yes, when he got the call yes. and the, the family freaked out. That was really cool. He looks, I mean, he looks like a beast. So, yeah. Raymond Johnson, make a name for yourself. We're not going to talk about you much. Make Be a guy that, you know, in camp when people are saying, you know, wow, Raymond Johnson is actually making some plays against the guards. And then we'll panic about the guards when we read those tweets. But I will look be positive and say, wow, Raymond Johnson coming along quick. I want that training camp camp clip to go viral from popping somebody. Let's, I want to see. Let's go, it. Raymond Johnson. Next on the list, Brett Hege, Miss Hege, Miss Pegge, interior offensive line from the Florida Gators. Justin, I watched the Florida Gators play Georgia eight times this year. I, I actually mm, there was one sure. of the few college football games I just flat out watched. So I watched Kadarius Tony versus them. I watched Stone Forsyth. I watched Brett Hege, and I watched Kyle Pitts. 
And I only I I exclusively watched the off Florida Gators offense versus the Georgia defense because on the Georgia defense I watched Zizo Jalari, Monty Rice, and Eric Strokes. So that's that's seven players I watched, and then just watching the game in total. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm an expert at Kyle Trask at that point. I can I remember every single throw from that game. Um, All right, so so you, according to YouTube, uh, we should have taken Kyle Trask because Daniel Jones stinks. Do you agree? Some people said that. Oh, we had a YouTube comment. Yes, 100%. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, good on that guy. Mm-hmm. I love hey, hey, believe in your takes. <laughs> Brett Heggie, 6'4", 310 pounds, 31 career starts at UF in 2020. Mm-hmm. He had 12 at, at center in 2019. He had 12 at right guard and left guard, and then the same thing in, in 2018. Bad pro day. Bad pro day. It, maybe that's what the Giants are doing. They're taking chances on guys who had bad pro days, even though Jake Burton did have a 4940. Uh, he had a five five forty, a twenty six inch vertical uh, jump, and twenty one bench press. Pretty bad. Uh, tore his ACL in two thousand seventeen. Here is what I'll say: I like the most about Brett Heggie. He understands the position of center. He understands playing offensive. His recognition of blitzes and stunts. It's like he sees it coming from a mile away. Where it's like I'll be watching him, and it's like he just 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 stop blocking that guy and pass him off. Why do you do that? It's like oh. This player's stunning it off. I don't know if that was if that's prep or he's just some guys in play can do that and he trusts his other players around him to you know to do the right thing. That is what really stuck out to me from Brett Heggie was like, dude, this guy's ability to pick up blitzes and stunts is just next level. Um, so so th- that was pretty good. Um, when he's not blocking anybody in the passing game, he likes to look for work and lay a hit. You know, I posted a couple highlight clips of those. Those are always some always fun. Um, Nick Gates likes to do that a lot. John Halapio never did that. Spencer Pulley really never did that. Brett Heggie is somebody who who does uh, do that and finds work in pass pro. Here's where he struggles in pass pro. He clamps. His hands clamp. He needs to start shooting his hands inside. That really, if he could learn to do that, that's where he can, you know, where he can grow and have a chance at the NFL. He needs to shoot his hands inside because he's what he's doing is he's snapping the ball and his hands are coming around like uh, like symbols or syllables as Justin would say, yeah, uh, sil- symbols and guys are getting into his chest and he's losing bull rushes. You know where Alabama they bull rush him three four times where he got right back into the QB's lap. If he could just shoot and win that initial like that initial part of the rep, snap the ball, shoot his hands, get on the defensive tackle's chest, his feet are good enough to win reps. But when he doesn't do that, he allows himself to get bull rushed. Yeah, I had the observation that he was a little bit more of a leaner. Like he has, I think he's he's relatively powerful, um, but he just doesn't like get a little bit of extension shooting. You know, get his hands inside the breastplate. Right. He, I, I think he wins by leaning on guys a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you also have that observation? I agree, but I will say, when you watch Jake Burton, you're like, hey, Brett Heggie doesn't lean that much. Uh, <laughs> Jake Burton's gonna is getting slandered on this podcast, and I'm so I'm very sorry, Jake. Uh, um, so so he does lean, but it's not too bad. You know, he he has a little bit of 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 waist spin, but it's not the worst thing. Like he has decent feet, you know. Um, in the yeah. past game, it's no, just he needs to stop letting guys bull rush him like that. Um, like I I really do think hand placement is is more of an issue than anything for him. Um, uh, in the run game, he's a guy that's gonna win with angles. Like he, you know, he's one of those guys that wins with angles. He's pretty, he's pretty good at getting to the second level. He's not nothing crazy, you know. Um, and he's not, he's not really gonna move dudes. Like he's not an earth mover in the run game. You know, he's not a, you know, let's double team this guy to linebacker. We're gonna push his ass into the linebacker. Like he, he, he wasn't a guy that did that. He's more of a like, all right, let me get, let me get my ha- my hat, my hands or my hat in the right spot, and I'm gonna try and win this with an angle. Um, so. That's how I played. Very good. I was a big, uh, I was a big angle guy Angles. and just wash a guy out. Hey, hey, you want to go that way? The play's going that way. I'll just, ta- I'll just take you where you want to go. And it, that's how I. And won. again, he's not going to blow people up. Um. So, <sighs> Brett. Some people swear by this guy. By the way, you look up some stuff, and people are like, "This guy is so underrated." I do think he has a much better chance than Jake Burton, but he, again, he is another guy where. You know, we have three vets as backups right now with Harrison, Fulton, and Solder. He is going to have to sit, learn for a year, get better at stuff, and then next year is when it's like, can Brett Heggie be the backup center to Nick Gates if we move on from a Jonathan Harrison? 
Yeah, um, I put underrated toughness. He's pretty tough, Bobby. He looks tough. You know, he looks like a fat, stone-cold Steve Austin. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, uh, he does have a little bit more hair on his uh, hair on his face and hair on his chin than he does on his head. Looked up his Instagram. He's always smiling. He's he's, he's smiling a lot on, on his Instagram. I don't know if he's smiling a lot. I on need to look on field. his Instagram, but like just like I was watching press conferences of him, and he just looked like a. He's got that Bamf look. Oh, good. Oh, you you love Bobby's Bamps. Is that ever going to be a thing that you bring back? No, it's too corny. It's too corny. I agree. I agree. That was pretty corny in 2019. Yeah. Well, I only did did it for a few weeks. It would be a pretty good, like, if you ever rebranded it into something different, it would be like a good, like, YouTube video to just throw out on a Friday. Um, It would be. Just saying. All right. Underrated toughness. Um, I I called him a big galoot. Do you know what a galoot is? No. Is this something that, like, my family just made up? Yes, I'm, I'm guessing because you're not paying attention to me. So, I don't know what a galoot, galoot. means. I'm, I'm looking at so, his Instagram, though. So uh, I'm listening to you. I hope 75% of the people that are listening to this know. But, you know, he's not – he doesn't move well. He just kind of rumbles. He's just a big galoot. There's no other way for me to kind of describe it. Um. I think he's a very balanced player. I, I think if he, I think if 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 you get if he gets in front of you and he kind of just gets a little stable on you, you know, you're not getting past him, you're not getting around him. Um, I don't know. I, I I definitely in terms of his lateral movement, um, I'm not sure how well he is moving from side to side, but you know, he clamps down. I think he's pretty strong, and I'm excited. So, Bobby, he, here's like my overall observation here. Let's say Jonathan Harrison gets hurt in camp. I think Brett Hagee has a. Uh, a spot to making it to the 53. I agree. Because the center, if if they're not going to have Shane Lemieux take center reps, right, then Brett Heggie has, like, the, the fast track to, to making the team. So I agree. that's his – I think out of all these guys that we have, undrafted free agents, like, he has the, the best chance at making the final 53 because even, even, even if a guard goes down, um, that could still mean something for him. Right. Last year the Giants – they, they carried nine offensive linemen. You had the starters, Will Hernandez, Matt Pear as backups, Spencer Pulley as a backup. And then they brought up they Kyle Murphy and, and Chad Slade kind of were, were both those ninth guys. Um, so, you know, right now we have our five starters, Zach Fulton, Jonathan Harrison, and Nate Solder as, as the backup eight. And then I think we'd all assume Kyle, or Kyle Murphy would be number nine. Um, Chad Slade still is on the team, though, you know, which, by the way, like he, Chad Slade's a homie. Like, like everybody on the offensive line loves him. They all hang out with him. It's like Nick yeah. Gates is hanging out with Chad Slade. Will Hernandez is hanging out. They all like Chad Slade. Um, so, but playing that center position and being able to call out blitzes and stuff that does give him a leg yep. up on on other guys. Absolutely, balanced football player. Balance. Let's let's talk about the next guy, the last guy. Mm-hmm. Go. Mm-hmm. I have breaking news. First. Oh, actually, read the ad. I have breaking news first, Bobby Skinner. Hmm. That's the that's the that's the sound effect that I'm putting in. Breaking news. This is an important PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. I don't think you're ready for this. Are you ready for this, Bobby Skinner? Sure. This is your pubic service announcement, and the news you've been all waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0. Let's give it a clap. <laughs> Round of applause. Big announcement, 4.0, Lawnmower 4.0, which is now available today for purchase in the USA and Canada. We are sorry for our listeners out in Spain. We know we have a very big international presence. I'm sorry to Gazman, who's out you know, in Europe as well. So I apologize. It's only available USA and Canada. Hopefully it will be available for you soon. The new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it to share the news with you. And basically, Lawnmower 4.0. How is it different with the Lawnmower 3.0? Well, I'm going to tell you. Their advanced ceramic blade skin safe technology is so good, it's almost as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. What makes the trimmer different than all other trimmers, you might ask? A new multifunction on off switch engages a travel lock created for people who like to travel. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over an additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. That is different. The Lawnmower 3.0 does not have that. The Lawnmower 4.0 does. That is an upgrade. And looks wise, it's sleek. 
two-toned matte and gloss finish. It even features a hot uh, full-stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. Show that mower off loud and proud. I don't know if you want to be showing it off after you use it, though. I mean, that's kind of it's kind of strange. Clean it. Clean it. Optimized Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof, of course, so you can groom and shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. It also has wireless charging, which I believe is also different. So it's awesome. That is all about the Lawnmower 4.0. You can use promo code GIANTS for 20% off this new product. Take advantage of it. It just dropped. Show it off to all your friends before you use it. Um, and use promo code GIANTS to get 20% off and free shipping. Thank you, Manscaped, for allowing us to debut this new product. Thank you, Manscaped. All right, let's finish off the, the draft season. Our last undrafted free agent, unless we get some other ones that trickle in. Jake Burton, offensive lineman from Baylor, but also UCLA. He's six foot six, three hundred ten pounds. Came into UCLA as a defensive lineman, redshirted a year, and then switched to offensive line. Then he started twenty three games at right tackle for UCLA. Then you mentioned with a grad transfer to Baylor and started eight games at right guard. Now, a lot of times you see this guy who played tackle, and then they put him at guard, and it's like, oh, guard is where he fits. It's a little easier for him. If he's going to play in the NFL, which I don't think will happen, he's going to have to play tackle. He's just he's just going to have to play tackle. Um, and 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 why is that going to happen? Um, his feet can be decent, and as a tackle, you know, in that pass pro, you know, not letting guys get around the edge, um. You know, he's not like, you know, speed doesn't kill him, although he does have some, like, really bad reps. Um, and his hands are, like, good at, at repositioning and, 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 like, washing guys around. Um, but when he's at guard or at tackle, his ability for his feet to, once he's locked on to mirror guys, is just bad. You know, where it's like guys are beating him. Like, it's just like, man, you, this should be an easy rep for you right here, and you're getting beat inside. Like, it's just... It's weird. Like his feet, just, they just don't, they don't mirror the, the player against him. It's kind of like, it's almost easy for them at times. Um, you know, um, but it's like he, like he can handle a bull rush and it's like, you know, anchor down. I, I don't know why he doesn't do that more. Uh, so it's just his, his feet and mirroring are, are really bad. Um, and I, I think he's just not strong either. You know, like he, I've never seen him move a guy. Now I did clip one play of him pulling. Um, and I do think he's a good athlete to pull. But he's just not going to move a dude besides that one clip that I posted where he laid out a DB. Um, the, we talk about leaning. Jake Burton leans every play. I'm, I mean, I'm the, he is the worst way spender I may have ever seen. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, he doesn't get off the ball really quick. And even when he does lean, he doesn't move guys. So, um, you know, I, I really do hate being harsh on these undrafted free agent episodes. But Jake Burton just... There's way too many bad plays with Jake Burton, you know, and I just don't think he's going to make it. He's got that Michael Jackson smooth criminal energy, doesn't he? I don't know what that means. Smooth criminal. Oh, the song, uh, but what does that mean? Do you ever see the music video? Oh, about leaning? Yeah, like he's famous for like the whole do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. But Michael Jackson and... wasn't bending at the waist. That was really funny, and you just like didn't get it. I, I'm I, I don't get like any of your jokes. I'm really bad at that stuff. But you don't get any of my references, so it, it evens That's out. It's true. So it's it's almost like we're just talking at a brick wall. So it sometimes evens out. when we just talk to each other. <laughs> oh, okay. Jake Burton. I'm gonna compliment him a little bit more. I think he can move a little bit better than Heggy. In terms of like just movement. He like, can, he's a better way. athlete than he is strong. Yeah, yes. So he, I think he can move a little better than Haggy. I mean, I'll, let, let me give him compliments uh, while you just shat on him, okay? He does allow defenders, I, and, and as I say compliment, then now I have a butt. He does allow defenders to get to him and pass pro, I think, in terms of he doesn't initiate the contact, and then in terms of not being able to anchor down, I think that's a, I think that's a bad, uh, I think that's a bad omen, bad, bad recipe for success. He's an effective puller. I think him being a good athlete, um, and, and also having positional versatility. I think that I think that is uh, some of the most endearing parts of him. He also played defensive line and tight end in high school. Mm -hmm. So he's he's literally done everything. And he also did a volleyball his senior year of high school because a couple of his friends were on the volleyball team and he wanted and he thought it would help him become a better athlete. Um People at Baylor when he trans so he's he was a the reason why he was able to play right away after he graduated from U after 
after he transferred from UCLA, it is because he graduated. He was a graduate transfer. He majored in political science. So, um, you know, I majored in sociology, so maybe we can have some, like, nice conversations. Um, sure. And um, people at Baylor seem to really like him. He really got along with the rest of the offensive line room, and he seems to be like a down-to-earth guy. I read an article where he had some good quotes. Um, and that's it. Cool. Jake Burton. Love you, Jake Great Burton. guy. And that's our yeah. undrafted free agent. Can you hear the rain? Yes, I actually can. That's coming down. It's pouring rain right now in my office. So I'm editing it out because I, can, I have the ability to do that. Well, but Well, good. Good. I, I am very glad you're editing it out because it's freaking coming down right now. Um, so, hey, we appreciate you. I know I did the whole you know thank you thing on the last episode, so I'll spare it for the undrafted. My own, Our undrafted free agent people, they're sticking around with us for the summer. Um, next week. So we're going back to our regular Tuesday, Friday schedule. We should have a very good interview recapping the draft on Tuesday. That is the plan. Um, and then Giant Stories will come back. I know the schedule's coming out, rookie camp, so we might do that on Friday. Um, and then we should have another player interview, or uh, not another pl- another interview who should be a player the following week. And I think we're gonna we're gonna mix in a mailbag. We haven't done a mailbag in a few months, so we'll do that. You know, I I don't like when shows just mail it in. You know, no pun intended. And they just do mailbags the whole offseason. But we will mix in a mailbag. We haven't done one in a long time. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your weekends. Get out in the sun. You know, get away from the draft talk for a little while. And let's go Big Blue.